Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, lots of pre-owned inventory. An excellent service department and sales staff, whether you're getting a new or pre-owned vehicle. And, of course, service department ready for you with whatever you need to get your car fixed up or inspected and ready to go and get back on the road. And that's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Lots more Super Bowl 56 talk today. The, the countdown really starting to get ramped up today. Reginald Walker Jr. going to join us. And we'll also get into some college football talk with him, as we normally do. And a tough one for Penn State men's hoops last night. Got off to a really nice start in the first half, but then you allow that 10-0 run to happen. Michigan gets some momentum, even though Penn State still led by one going into the half. And then both teams were just ice cold in the second half. And it's Michigan who was able to make some plays down the stretch to pull out the win 58 to 57 and what was a pretty good crowd I thought last night at the BJC thought the student section showed up pretty good and as Steve alluded to the witching hour <laughs> see I'm used to that as you know when babies are crying at a certain time with my now eight month old son at home but I guess he's right about that too it was a nine o'clock start last night so but unfortunately for the Denny Lions, they fall by one to Michigan. Big win for the Wolverines because if you were looking at the broadcast last night at Joe Lenardi's bracket as of right now for bracketology, Michigan right now listed as a bubble team, so that's a good win for them to at least keep pace. But nonetheless, a, a tough one for the Nittany Lions as they still struggle to kind of get over the hump a little bit as far as who can make some plays late, who can make the big shots late. But that was, as I said, I, I thought that would definitely be a winnable game for them. Wasn't surprised how close it was. That was just a tough one there for the Nittany Lions last night. 
And then also, as we go to more on the pro side of things for hoops, you have what's happening here between the Sixers and the Nets, and all of a sudden things are heating up pretty quickly. And now, according to Brian Windhorst of ESPN, it looks like things are might go down. And actually, James Harden could become a Sixer now instead of during the summer. He called it, in fact, that the Nets and the Sixers are in, quote, the deal zone. And a deal is trending toward happening. Nets are asking for Ben Simmons and two or three other pieces, whether it's a draft pick. You've seen, you've heard names of Matisse Thibel, which is the Sixers' defensive MO right now. Uh, Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey. But it seems to me, and this is probably what the holdup is, the Sixers don't want to budge on Tyrese Maxey, and rightfully so. They should not do that. If they have to give up Tyrese Maxey on this, that's the only thing that makes me out. James Harden, I think, I cautiously optimistically think, would put the Sixers over the top, and I think he would be in a, and they're in a better position with him and he would be a better spot or the Sixers would be a better spot for Harden because you look how things ended up in Houston and then everything with the Nets right now again I don't just really don't think there was a big role for him to play because he came after Kevin Durant and I never really got the whole situation with the Nets to begin with I also don't understand why the Nets I've gone, let it get to this point where they're going to probably trade him within the division, but that's a whole other topic. So overall, obviously, I, I would like to see this trade happen. I just don't want to see Maxi gone. I even hesitate a little with Seth Curry, but like I said yesterday, I'm more and more okay with that now because A, you're still trying to cash in now on Embiid's Joel Embiid's prime seasons and he's playing out of his mind again right now at another big game last night and a tough loss to the Suns and we look at Seth Curry sure he's been a productive player for the Sixers and I like him but hasn't been able to stay healthy neither has a guy like Danny Green who has been kind of thrown around here and there but not as much as a guy like Seth Curry has so this is just really interesting and plus you have other moves going around Tobias Harris, his name is still out there as maybe a possible way to clear cap space to bring James Harden in. And even though Tobias Harris is playing much better basketball right now for the Sixers in the last seven, eight games, he still has been kind of an underachieving player ever since he signed that max deal with the Sixers a couple seasons ago. So I wouldn't hate to see him leave either. But this is going to be really interesting because obviously... This is the dom the big domino everybody else is waiting to fall for the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 in the NBA. Now, of course, the other trades that happened yesterday with Portland, and there was a three-way trade today involving Utah. But this is the big domino that teams are now waiting to fall. So it's, I, I, like I said, I, I kind of remain a little conflicted, but... I, w I still would like to see James Harden and get have this deal done now. Only because you want to make sure that you... This is the best chance to win. These next... I, I agree with what Matt Leon said the other day. These are th these three years I got to cash in. <laughs> Come on, he's your guy! 
Ah, and he's easily rudder your entire organization. No, uh, that's why I'm saying the Sixers should. Uh, I'm happy if the Sixers can get James Harden without Tyrese Maxey. Absolutely. Well, you don't want to give up Tyrese Maxey. No, exactly. And the Sixers reportedly don't want to give him up, and they better stick to their ground on that. I mean, to me, it's come to this point because, where... Because if they don't, you'll call them stupid. Well, yes, that's number one. But also number two, <laughs> just... just... <laughs> I mean, seriously, because it look, it look, was, he's a quarter, becoming a cornerstone player. I was being yeah. serious. But it, but it's also come to this, because I think the Nets are losing more leverage on Harden than the Sixers are with Simmons at this point, because Harden, for the second time in a row, is screaming to get out of a franchise. So if I'm the Sixers, no, I, I'm, I not giving up, I'm not I, giving up Maxie with that. I, I disagree with you on that. Okay. Simmons flat out isn't playing. So guess what? You, the Sixers have lost all leverage. Well, apparently Harden. not because if, if think about it, the Sixers can get James Harden for a guy that anybody was ready to get rid of for a bucket of balls. So all of a sudden his value went up somehow because you're going to get James Harden in return. Again, everybody knows how I feel about James Harden. I think he is a fabulous talent, but is too ball centric a player. He would have it's see the the issue that he has when he plays for the Nets is simple, and it is an issue. You have a ball centric guy in Kyrie Irving. You cannot win unless Kevin Durant is making plays because he is your best player by a wide margin. Okay, I mean you can argue that he is the best player in the world. And say he was the most, you know, most exciting player in the world. But he's the best player in the world. Okay. And I mean, he's better than LeBron right now. You know, just by pure age, it's going to happen. I mean, you know, LeBron's a great player, but at some point, somebody does pass you out. And and Harden needs to have the ball in his hands to make plays. Well, the Sixers win when the ball's in the hands of Joel Embiid or Maxi. He'd have to go in realizing that he was going to be a a tremendous supplement to what is going on on the floor and not the primary option. If he understands that, then you go for it. But you don't give up Tyrese Maxey for him. You give up Ben Simmons and whatever. But, again, the Sixers don't have any leverage. Everybody knows they have to move him. The Nets don't have to move Harden. Not necessarily, but if they want to get something for him in return, then they need to move him now, and he clearly wants to leave, or that, or you just let him walk in free agency. The other guy isn't playing. <laughs> okay, you have no leverage. I don't think but both I, teams have a lot of leverage. But I, I think again, I think Harden trying the, to get out again, and the Nets trying to get one, something for him now helps again, the Sixers in this situation when, yes, they have nothing for Simmons. Once again, if you don't move Simmons, you get nothing. Everybody knows you have to. Okay? The Sixers don't have a lot of leverage here. If you want to trade one disgruntled guy for another disgruntled guy, fine. But the Sixers, okay, where's the leverage? Where's the great leverage they have to get James Harden? Where's their leverage? 
we've got Ben Simmons. Okay, that's nice. And he hasn't played in how long? And the last time he played, he he was not very good. And he's got a big contract and can't shoot outside. You don't have a lot of leverage. All I'm saying is neither do the Nets, and that's why you have the stalemate right now. The Nets have leverage. He's playing. Your guy isn't playing at all. That's sorry, but when one guy's playing, like you know what, we're not doing this. He's still playing for us. I'm not worried about it. You got a problem. He's not playing for you. And they may end up getting James Harden out of it. And the plus will be is now you have another person out there who's an all-star player, but somebody that you openly question how well does he work with others. It's, you know, it's a problem. Hey, look, we got a, we got a gold medal. How about that? That's ah, just great. What the heck event was this? Oh, my almighty! Uh, snowboarding, I think. Oh, Lindsay Jacob Ellis. I guess the she uh, ended up getting a silver in turn because she fell at the end. And it always has, quote, haunted her. And I guess now at the age of 36, she wins this. So great for her. And Michaela Schifrin fell again. Brutal. Well, I feel awful for her. I mean, there's no getting around it. It's It's amazing that she is dominant, 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 but she's been good on this stage, not great. Right? She has two Olympic gold medals, which is tremendous. It shows over and over again what we can't, what a lot of people just can't grasp. It's hard to win. Hard to win. She is a great, great skier. In the Olympics, she has been very good, not great. In this Olympics, it's been just no-go completely. She's been on the course literally 16 seconds. 11 seconds for one, 5 seconds for the other. Because I mean, this is her third Olympics. You would think that someone that has 47 slalom championships, uh, I think 79 total podiums and the whole thing, would have more than two gold medals in her career, and she does not. It, it really has been, she, uh, she's had some success on this stage, but not a lot. Which is too bad, because this is the stage everyone remembers. They don't really remember if you won the Hanukkah. Right? It's just the way it is. And I feel awful for her. This has to be night. She lost her father a year and a half ago. This has to be nightmarish for her. Her dad's not, you know, she doesn't have her dad any longer. And she's 26 now. So, yeah, you feel badly for her. But it shows you how hard it is to win. It's really hard to win. I felt really good wasting my time talking about a guy that doesn't play. Um, I enjoyed that very much. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. (laughs) It doesn't work on his game. (laughs) 
<laughs> he obviously does not work on his game. Right. Like, okay. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. Latest buzz. Ooh. Oh, there's Trey Oak. This is great. Oh. The Oklahoma City Thunder got a player from the Miami Heat. Fabulous. And as the trade deadline nears, the Lakers are acknowledging something needs to be done with their roster. Wow. They lost by 15 to the Bucks. That probably was a cue they're not in the same league with them. I'm still blown away by the Buddy Heel trade, weren't you? I was, yes. Do you know where he went? He went to, what are you talking about when he went to now or when he first went to Sacramento? Just asking if you know where he went. He went to uh, Indiana, right? Wasn't that part of the trade yesterday? Yeah. yeah. Most people don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, in Sacramento as a team? <laughs> well, yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> really? All right. Come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat on this Ben Simmons thing. I mean, you know, he's been so productive. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he hasn't played at all. <laughs> um, this is more for me about James Harden than it is getting rid of Ben Simmons. He's a very, just remember, he's a very ball-centric guy. I, I just, I still think this is a, the Sixers are a better fit for him than they were the Nets. I never even got why he even went to the Nets or why the Nets even thought this could work with him and Durant and Irving. At least with because the Sixers, it can be him and Embiid. Because they're, they're trying to combine three guys together, which has been the, the key in the NBA over the years. If you can combine three stars together, that's what they were looking to do. Uh, the guy that could move is one of two guys, Tobias Harris, who has a max deal, and also Seth Curry. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. So it's 50 degrees here today. How about that? 50. Isn't that phenomenal? What is it there? Uh, 40 in, in the upper 40s, I believe, right now. So I decided to take a quick look at Friday night, Saturday night in Minneapolis. Oh, boy. 48, by the way. Okay, here it's 50 right now. Phenomenal. Friday is going to be 46. Minneapolis. When we land, the temperature is going to be 12. At 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, 6 below zero. <laughs> it's like I have three letters. Why 
decades ago, didn't somebody say, you know, how about the ACC? <laughs> like, holy mackerel, it's cold in this conference in the wintertime. No, senor! No, senor! Uh, no, senor! Brutal. The high temperature, you know what the high temperature is going to be on Saturday there? I'll say five. Oh, five. Okay. Five. <laughs> I was going to say one, but that works too. Five. It's going to be below zero at game time. Now we're indoors, but you still have to go from the bus in. <laughs> you have to go from out, from in, back to the bus. you got to load the plane up at the airport. <laughs> it's like, ay, 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 ay. All right. We'll get to the game, last night's game. Uh, we'll do that a little bit later in the show. Because um, Penn State, uh, how many more baskets do you think Michigan made last night than Penn State? They won by one. So how many more baskets do you think they made? Handful lift that. That was a pretty brutal second half. How about Penn State made five more baskets than Michigan? <laughs> Penn State made three more twos and two more threes than Michigan in the game. Oh, boy. Five more baskets. Somebody has to explain to me on a team that drives the ball to the basket because style of play enters into this. And how many times have you heard me defend officials on the air saying, hey, look, you're shooting jump shots. You're not going to get a lot of calls. Correct? I've said that how many times? Over and over. Penn State is consistently driving the ball to the bucket. They went 36 minutes and 23 seconds before they took their first free throw? What the heck's going on here? Yeah, that's atrocious. That's where they now I realize, let's be honest, you know, the last six free throws that uh, Michigan took were, hey, look, we're fouling to stop the clock. All right, so you got to be fair about what you're saying here. But I'm sorry. You're driving the ball to the bucket, driving the ball to the bucket, driving the ball to the bucket. The game plan was to go inside, go inside, go inside. And you're telling me that Penn State didn't shoot a free throw for 36 minutes and 23 seconds. Really? Interesting. I didn't say Penn State should get 100 free throws, but zero is kind of a low number. (sighs) Oh, well. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Not having Greg Lee. And yes, I know I sat here yesterday and knew he wasn't going to play. Um... Not having him, that's where it hurt last night because Michigan hurt them with second-chance points. And that's where having an additional rebounder out there could have cleaned up some some of that. Not all of it, but some of it. All right, Super Bowl is coming up. Oh, we're going to do a segment, by the way, later in the week. It's going to be right up your alley. You are going to love this. Okay. This is right up your alley. Are we doing profits? Okay. Um, well, it's, it's something Lisa doesn't want to hear. <laughs> Because, you know, because you end up, you know, getting crushed with these things, right? But we are going to have on the show Brandon Lang on Thursday, who is a gambling expert. Okay. I like it. Lisa, I've got notes from Lisa here. Don't, please don't, please don't. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're going to lose the possibility of a house. I mean, I mean, your ability, your inability to control yourself is being called into question here. 
F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells FOULDA! I mean, over the course of his career, the suit has made seven figures. Do you know that? That's not surprising to me. And based on where he lives, you can tell he's also lost seven figures at the track. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> so it evens itself out. So some people refer to that as balance. All right. <laughs> S-U-I-T. That spells suit. Oh, somebody spelled disaster for me. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get to Reginald Walker. Sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Steve. Good to talk to you. All right, so the game on... Um, on Sunday. Well, let's talk about the two quarterbacks, which is ob- the obvious place to start. So we'll go with the low-hanging fruit. Yep. All right. I look at Stafford, first overall pick with Detroit. Okay. And look, he's fought through his whole career, and he gets to this point. Terrific. Joe Burrow goes into Cincinnati last year, and Reginald, he gave him a puncher's chance in every game, which is something Stafford's never done. Uh, what do you see in these two guys? Well, I see one guy who can stand back there in the pocket, the younger guy, right, Joe Burrow, year two, stands back there. He's not the – I think he'd better find his way to the weight room pretty quick if he's going to keep (laughs) taking hits like that. But he's a guy that's unflappable, right? He's a guy that nothing bothers him. And if you're going to beat this Rams team and deal with guys like Aaron Donald and uh, Floyd coming off the edge and Von Miller – and if you're going to deal and with And I'll give you guys, another one. Greg Gaines. Nobody talks about Greg Gaines. He's a good I player. I think his name. Yes, he's yep. a really good player. Yep. Um, if you're going to deal with that group up front, the way they can get after the quarterback, you better be a dude that's already in this playoffs, stood in the pocket, got sacked nine times, and found a way to win a game. Right? Like, you have to have that kind of – I guess moxie is the word that some people would use. I I just call it pure toughness, right? I'm kind of old school, right? You've got to be tough enough to stand back there and take that beating, and I think he can do that. Uh, I think on the other side, when you look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, we've heard everything, right? He's got the arm talent. He's got this. He's got that. But then it's a matter of are you of the camp, right, when it comes to Matthew Stafford of – you're going to give him the built-in excuse, right, which mm-hmm. is the Detroit Lions are a mess of an organization, or at least historically have been, mm-hmm. while he was there particularly? Or are you going to flip it around and say he wasn't good enough or he didn't find a way to lift his teammates above that? Right. And, and so I think that's the interesting aspect of it. And so to me, going into this game on Sunday, if he plays really well and loses – it's going to be an interesting conversation to watch what the narrative becomes. Right. Because because he could the thing I think people forget about in sports, you can go out there and play really well. And that's why football is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. You can go out there and play really well and lose. Yep. No it, doubt. It's very possible to do. So it, it wouldn't shock me if one of these guys goes out there and throws for 250 yards, three touchdowns, and ends up losing the Super Bowl. Right. It also wouldn't shock me with both of these defenses if one of these guys goes out there and goes, I don't know, something sort of pedestrian, right? Um, 18 for 37, right? For 210 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, and they win, right? That's not out of the realm because if you look at the Rams, we already talked about their defensive front. Yeah, obviously, in the back end, Jalen Ramsey feels like he's the best in the game. Yep. Uh, that's debatable, uh, depending on who you talk to. 
right? I think he, I do think he's up there. You, you gotta, I think you, it just depends you, on who you talk to. Have you heard my running joke about Jalen Ramsey? <laughs> my, my running joke, joke about Jalen Ramsey is I hear all the time he's the best, he's the best, he's the best. I said he's got 15 career interceptions. I said, that's terrific. I said, Jack Ham at 32. There I said, in an era that they, when they didn't throw as much. That's right. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's facts, right? They didn't throw it as much and they didn't play as many games, right? right. They're at 17 games a year now. So yeah. I, I think, I think it's that's just, one it's, of the aspects. It's, it's, it's just a joke. It's not, you know, it's, it's no, not, that's fair. not meant that's to fair. be anything. Just having yeah. fun with it. Oh, yeah. And so you look at it from those two aspects um, and you can see this game being a shootout or, or, or a low scoring game. Uh, I'm zeroing in, honestly, on Sean McVay. Yeah. This is his second time here. Last time they scored three points looked bad against the Patriots. Didn't look, right? didn't look good coaching 10 days ago. That's right. And, and so the question is going to be, right, because if, if their offense looks bad again, I think the question is real simple, right? Mm-hmm. Does he start overthinking his play calling in big games. I'm not sitting here suggesting we need to talk about this guy's job. Right. But what I'm saying is he's been sort of anointed, right? And and we let, right, we being the world, let him lead us to believe the only reason they lost that Super Bowl is because Jared Goff was the quarterback. Right. It wasn't because maybe Jared Goff didn't play great and also – the coach that called the plays didn't call didn't do a great job of calling plays that week, right? right? Or maybe mm-hmm. he didn't do a great job of putting together a game plan against Bill Belichick. So that's a factor too. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing to look at is what this offense looks like, and are they are they willing to lean on Cam Akers again after the two fumbles against uh, against Tampa? Because it, it's almost like last week they didn't want to go there or 10 days ago, I should say, they didn't really want to go there because of the fumbles in the previous situation. All right. As someone who's, I mean, look, I'm talking to somebody who's played, you know, and you've been around big games. As much as you try to prepare to make it the same as any other game, is that possible? Or is it possible because when you get in your bubble away from everybody, it does become possible? No, I think it's hard. I really do think it's hard. And I'll say this, um, and this is going to sound almost like I'm on both sides of the fence because I kind of am, right? When you think about it from the Rams' perspective, they can do a little bit better of a job of it because it's their home stadium, right? They can go Mm -hmm. through the same routine. They're at their normal training facility. All of that is the same. The problem is the buzz in the city is different. More family members are coming in town for the – it's a bigger deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, they're, they're juggling both things, right? They're juggling, yeah, this is normal. But it's not because people are in their face, right? Right. Whereas the Bengals, they can try to treat it like just a road trip, right, that's a little bit longer because they're going to get there. You know, they've gotten there so much sooner than the normal Saturday night before a Sunday game. Sure. So it's going to be interesting to watch who handles that early. Um, the crowd, I've always laughed at Super Bowl crowds. They're not going to be very raucous. They're corporate. Because a lot of it is corporate. They're, I mean, They're corporate. That, why do you think they change the ball out after, uh, on every single play? Because they're giving it to the corporate, corporate exactly donors. Right. By the way, I don't know if you saw the ticket prices, but a lot of those look like zip codes. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> I'm just kind of leaving it at that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I Five pay, numbers and it starts with a two. Uh, I'm all set. I think all, I'll be at home. All I know is that I paid my cable bill. I feel good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so I think it, I, I think it's going to be interesting. How ironic is it that we back to back years, right? That we get teams playing in their home stadiums yeah. for the Super Bowl. Now, yeah. if the Raiders do this, I tell you what, Vegas is going to get some calls. People are going to put some, you know, they're going to put some wagers on the Raiders playing in their home stadium next year. Yeah. And if they get it, I mean, hey, I'm just saying. Well, then I think that you and I go to Radio Row next year, you know, and, you know, at, you know, check out the Bellagio and things like that. But then you and I go to Radio Row and we do the show there. It sounds like, uh, sounds like a place I need to be, and I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Just thought, just thought we'd throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just thought we'd throw it out. Just uh, we're getting stare downs now from management. What does that mean? You 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 interpret these things better than I do. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I think if I always try to look at units, all right, yeah. and I don't mean units, offensive unit, defensive unit. Like I try to break down, like okay, where which is the strongest unit in the field? Where might the weakest unit be? Every time I go through this, I feel like the weakest unit is possibly the Bengals' offensive line, but in the strongest unit might be the Rams' defensive line. That's a bad combination. It is. It's a, it's a horrible matchup. And that's why I think to, to combat that, Joe Mixon has to be special. Yeah, you're right. They, it, he, not yeah. just running the ball, but catching it out of the backfield. I yeah. think they've got to get into their screen game and slow Von Miller down a little bit. Slow down, Floyd off the edge. You got to slow those guys off the edge. No, down. you're talking about not just screen game, but quick game. Quick game, screen, all of that. Yep. Some flare, some quick flare outs. Just, just get the ball out of Burrow's hands. And I think the other thing, because this is the aspect that I think a lot of coaches forget about, and uh, which is amazing to me because everybody wants these sort of mobile quarterbacks now. Yeah. Move his launch point. Give him some rollouts, some sprint outs, yeah. a couple of bootlegs. Just make them have to figure out where he is. Because I think if you're able to do that, and then I think if you're going to run the ball downhill, you do it off tackle so you can try to double uh, uh, Aaron Donald inside. Mm -hmm. But Leonard Floyd is not the biggest guy. No, he's not. He's athletic. He's very fast. Yep. But he's not the biggest. So if you can get him in a situation to where your right tackle, which is usually the stronger, bigger of your tackles in terms of overall girth. A lot of those guys, the Willie Andersons that used to play for the Bengals, you know, those guys are closer to 350 than 320, right? Your left tackles are 315, 320 right. with sure. long arms. So you want to, if you get him on that side, that's where you want to run the football. If So if Leonard Floyd is lined up as the left defensive end, you want to run the football right at him behind your right tackle yep. using and, and, and really make him have to set the edge and be a point-of-attack guy. Because if you run away from him, he'll chase it down. Yeah. And Von Miller is experienced enough to know how to handle it. So if you get those situations, your best-case scenario is Floyd at the left defensive end yep. and Von Miller's on the other side yep. and Aaron Donald's right next to him. Because you can run away from Aaron Donald and at the little guy. That That's the perfect scenario for you. It's always the little guy that gets beaten up in these things. All right. Uh, <laughs> Reginald, <laughs> we're all set for Radio Road next year. So Sounds look, good. Look, looking forward to it. I can't wait. And it'll be much warmer there than in State College. I love State College, but it'll be much warmer in Vegas. It's 50 degrees here today. Oh, might be warmer there than it is here in Charlotte. Yes, it is. 
How about that? I, I need to move. Just so you know, my next game is in Minneapolis on Saturday. <laughs> I'll break one. <laughs> it's going to be four degrees. I tell people all the time, the coldest I've ever been, and it was one time, Steve, was the walk from the hotel to oh. the bus to go to the, to go to the old Metrodome. Yes. Oh, my God. Forget about it. Yes. Whew. I was on that walk with you. All right. Uh, and it was cold. Yes. Sir, thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Enjoy Super Sunday. Reginald Walker. Ben Simmons is still a Sixer. Back with more breaking news in a moment. What? I'm just trying to do the show the way you want me to do it. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Oh, you know, in fact, I may not sleep all night. Here on News Radio 1070 WKM. We're in the deal zone between Harden and Simmons. I suspect they're going to get it done. I'm not going to tell you for sure they're going to get it done, but it's trending in that direction. I had given up all hope. Now I have a reason to live. (laughs) You know what's going to happen? Of course, I'm, I got Bucknell men tonight, so I'm heading up to Soika once we're done here. I at the know show. what's going to happen. I'm going to get on a plane Friday and go to Minneapolis. I had a game Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying the trade is going to is going to go down and, and break during while I'm doing Bucknell tonight. Is what I'm saying because that's how it always goes down for me. Well, the first time I may know about it is during the show tomorrow. All right, so um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Let's, let, me, let me check here on ESPN right away. Let's see. Is Aaron Donald the best player in Super Bowl 56? We rank the top 53 overall. Okay. Goodell, NFL fell short in diversity coaching hires. NFL, not commanders to oversee Snyder inquiry. Sources, Jazz's Ingles off to Blazers in three-way deal. Donatel favored to be Vikings D.C. according to sources. Sources, Lakers feel urgency to make changes. Sources, Canelo close to Bible and Triple G two-fight deal. League worst Canadians fired Ducharme. Reports, failed test delays, figure skating medals. Ranking Super Bowl top players. Those are the headlines on ESPN. I want to give them credit. There isn't a single one I want to read. <laughs> it's not clickbait if you don't take the bait. <laughs> 